We bless God for a wonderful day like this morning. I'm bringing a message with titled Let us do the right thing. Hallelujah. Amen. I didn't find this phrase in the scriptures, but it was when I was reading the scriptures as God will speak to us from his word. Then I summarized all that God was telling us in that scripture, which we'll be looking at very soon, that then let us do the right thing. And of course, those who were here on the first Sunday of this year, last Sunday, we titled our message, Awake Thou That Sleepest. In other words, wake up you who are sleeping. You will find that same phrase featuring in the set of verses we're going to read very soon. And that instructed my heart, therefore, that it means God is telling us something that, number one, we might have been sleeping all this while and we didn't know. You know, in the scriptures, God spoke to one of the churches in the book of Revelations. He said, I know that you believe that you are rich and yet you are poor and you don't know. He said, I know that you believe that you are wealthy and you have nothing you know, you are covered, you are best clothing, but he said, but you are naked and you don't even know. Hallelujah. So sometimes we look at ourselves and we believe that this is who we are, but it's always good for us to measure ourselves in the light of God's word because ultimately, please take note, ultimately it is the same word that is going to judge us. Don't ever think that the day of judgment is going to be a strange phenomenal. If you are acquainted with the word of God, you will discover that everything that we learn from the word of God is the same thing that will judge us on the last day. In Hebrews chapter 4, I think the verse 12 which says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit and bone and marrow and the Bible says and it is the discerner the word of God discerns our thoughts and our hearts it is the discerner of our thoughts and our hearts and then he says something very powerful he said and all things are unveiled before whom we have to give account in fact the version says all things are unveiled before him let me not misquote this scripture. It's not my scripture, but it just came to my spirit. Hebrews 4, 12 into 13. Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living, the New King James says, living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13 says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. Do you see, he gives personality to the word of God. The word of God is not it. He says his sight. So when we are reading the scriptures, it is God himself talking to us. He says, there is no creature hidden from his sight. Not just your physical presence, but even your heart is not hidden from his side. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. The Bible says what? He says, he's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the things that we don't know, that we are even thinking, God's word searches and knows them. Hallelujah. And he says, and there is no creature hidden from his side, but all things are naked. I like that word. 
other version says unveiled, but he says naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, whenever we come to service like today, the word of God that we are exposed to searches our hearts. If we heed to God's instruction, then we will do right. So therefore, on the day of judgment, we will not be saved. But when you hear God's word and you harden your heart and you reject it, one day the same word will be unveiled before you and you realize that, ah, I was told this and I didn't do right. So you find yourself condemned. Are you there? So for us, not to be condemned with the rest of the world, we have the great opportunity. The Bible says, judge yourself so that you will not be judged. The way to judge yourself is always to allow the word of God to search you. I've always said in this house, that any time preaching, the word is to me first before any other person. Do you know why? Because I don't think it would be worthy a cause to do all that we are doing. Look at the wonderful service we've had this morning so far. Wonderful time of praise. Wonderful time of worship. Wonderful time of fellowship. And then I, as the chief servant, pioneering this work, after all said and done, many people find themselves in heaven or everybody find themselves in heaven and I myself be a castaway. It will be out of place. Hallelujah. So I always allow the word of God to talk to me first before it talks to any other person. That is my responsibility. And I pray that as I speak, the word of God will speak to me and to you and we will never be the same again. That is why I titled it. I didn't say you do the right thing. I said what? Let us do the right thing. Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. Let me take from verse 8 to the last verse, verse 14. You can take time and read the whole of Romans 13. Every one of them actually instructs us even how to relate with governing authorities. They are all in the verses 1 downwards. How we should subject ourselves to rulers and authorities and how they do not bear the sword in vain. And how we should give to Caesar what is Caesar's and what is give to God what is God's. That is not to say that you now go and say that well, let me go to the shrine. He said it's give to Caesar so I'm going to give what is Caesar to Caesar's. That don't misquote scripture. Hallelujah. Alright. But because of time, I'm taking it from verse 8 into 14. Verse 8 from the New King James Version of the Bible says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. That's the first instruction. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. What does it mean to love somebody? It means to be committed to the well-being of that individual. And the Bible is telling you and me this morning that oh no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Verse 9. For the commandments and he's quoting some of the commandments under the law. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment 
are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Please, did you take note of that phrase? You shall do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Two things are pointed out in that verse. He never said you shall love your neighbor more than yourself. Did you see that? But think sometimes we go to that extent where we have refused to love ourselves and then we give all to our neighbor and we therefore go, it is like somebody said, Papa Yebetra heaven. <laughs> you are some Papa Yebetra heaven. Greater love has no man than this, than a man should lay down his life for his friend. Fine. But he didn't say, love your neighbor. If it could be more than yourself, he would have told us. But here he says, love your, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, what you would not want done to you, don't do it to your neighbor. If you want your neighbor to be pampered, learn to pamper yourself. In 2020, pamper yourself. Can you tell your neighbor, in 2020, pamper yourself. As a matter of fact, that is, that is somebody's um, resolution for 2020. I'm just boring the person's phrase. Pamper yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, we can come back to the verse 10. He said, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Then verse 11 says, and do this, knowing the time. This is where we get it wrong. Many of us don't even know the times that we are living in. But he says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. This is similar to what we learned last week Sunday that awake thou that sleepest. And here again scripture is telling us that and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Wow. Remember the one who wrote this scripture he wrote it some 2000 years ago. If at that time he told his Listeners, he was writing to the church of Rome. And of course, God knew that one day it would be compiled in the form of scripture and it will reach us. And if at that time, 2,000 years ago, he told this church in Rome that now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed, what do you think after 2,000 years our salvation is? It is so near. Is that not so? So close. So close. Such that any moment... God can intercept all our projects, all our programs. That is what a lot of us don't know. We believe that God will give all the time for us to finish all our ambitions, all our aspirations, all our visions before he comes. No. Jesus has been given a time. When the time is due, he will intercept every project and every ambition, every aspiration. After all, those who will come along with him they can continue those same projects in the world to come in a better way. Hallelujah. So nothing will be lost if God intercepts. For instance, what we're doing as a church, God can just choose to just intercept it and carry all of us if we are ready. But if you're not ready, you'll be left behind and you will suffer the consequences. So he says, now it is high time 
I like that phrase. To awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Then verse 12 says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. I'll come back to that. Verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, the King James says rioting, and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill is last. Somebody say amen. Powerful set of scriptures. Don't know it's enough for us to even say let's share the grace. Because these are words that can set our hearts. And I believe that as I was reading God's word was just communicating to my heart and yours as well. If there is anything God wants us to do in this 2020 he wants us to do the right thing. Hallelujah. Let us do the right thing. I have a phrase. Let me find out whether you can end it for me. The one that knows right. Can you continue? If you, No. The one that knows right. Must. Must do the right thing. I've said it to a couple of people. He who knows right. Must do right. Come again sir. And does not do with sinners. Wow. He who knows right and does not. Okay. James 4.17 says that he, to him that knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin. That's James 4.17. But I have coined a phrase for myself. He who knows right must do right. If we say we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus then we must give heed. I said we can go back to verse 1, but I chose to take it from verse 8. Oh, no one anything. Hmm. I don't know whether that applies to any one of us this morning. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. It means to me that if you owe somebody something or somebody owes you something. Not just money but an issue. A grudge. A strife. A contention. For you to deal with it in 2020 says we should not sweep it under the carpet but deal with it. If it means going to that individual and telling him that please this thing that you did you were wrong because I don't want to keep it in my heart I want God's word to judge me now so that I will not be judged on the last day so I don't want to keep this as an offense in my heart I'll show you a scripture in Acts 24 when I'm ending my message I don't want to keep it as an offense in my heart and therefore for me to love you as myself I am telling you that what you did was wrong can we do that in 2020? Oh, instead of keeping the offense in your heart and then taking your own decision and sometimes you can even say that if that's the case, then I'm not coming again. Some people have taken such decisions 
since IPR started. But I don't think that by doing that, they have helped themselves. I don't think so. Especially if God ordained that once upon a time, they should be a part of the growth that we are into until God relocates them elsewhere. That is not to say that this is the only place that anybody can fellowship. But once upon a time, God worked us together. And at our appropriate time, he will release us into our various you know, domains and jurisdictions. But if for whatever reason you choose that, okay, because of this thing that this brother did, because of this thing, I'm not going to talk to anybody again. I'm just walking out. And sometimes you walk out quietly and God didn't say so. You hurt your own self. Hallelujah. So in 2020, if we are going to do right, it says, oh, no one anything except to love one another. Love corrects. Love rebukes. Love instructs. Love admonishes. Love covers multitude of sins. Because of love for one another, this year, if somebody is doing the wrong thing, learn to just look into the person's face and say, please, you are wrong. Is that okay? Do what? Please, you are wrong. If somebody is misbehaving, mind you, it's going to affect all of us. Bible says, a little living, living left the whole lump. In other words, one little sin can affect all of us. Only God knows how many sins we have come Sunday after Sunday and we have shared together. Only God knows. Can I say that again? Only God knows how many sins Sunday after Sunday or any time we come for service, we have shared together. Because whenever there's a fellowship, there is a sharing together. So if there is little sin somewhere and you say, oh, some people even go to the center saying that it is my body. I corrected somebody recently. I said, it's not your body. So long as the two of you are one flesh, it can never be your body. He said, no, 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 no. I have chosen to just lie on the floor there, let him be on the bed. I said, no, it is not your body. It is not your body. It is our body. First Corinthians 7. He said that the, 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 the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does have his rights. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own. Listen to the phrase from God's word, his own body. But the wife does have her rights. So the moment you choose to move from an independent life, and then you say, I want to marry. Mind you, marriage is not independence. It's interdependence. So at that, at that level, you can no longer say, it is my body. After all, I can choose to, I can, no. So I told her, no, please. You are wrong. It is our body. The only time in marriage you are permitted to use mine is when you say, my husband or my wife. That is the only time. Don't let in-laws come and say, our husband. Hey, our wife, won't you cook for us? No, it is somebody's wife, not our wife. Am I communicating? So, when we are doing the wrong thing, let's learn to look into the other person's face. Please, because of love, I'll tell you, I don't want to keep this in my heart. I don't want to keep offense in my heart. The Bible says that lest any root of bitterness springing up among you and thereby many be defiled. What does that mean? It means one person can just have a root. You know root. Single root of bitterness. 
And unbeknown to the individual, that root of bitterness sprang up and then spread. And then many were defiled. Because, because you are offended and you are keeping bitterness, anytime you are communicating, you are, you are poisoning the soul of others. Poisoning the spirit of others. And before you realize, we have all become rebels. Because of one bitterness. So once there's bitterness, Bible says, flush it out from your system. Hallelujah. Do that. Hallelujah. Okay. Then he said, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, they are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the one that says you shall not commit adultery, but then steals, has committed adultery. Because one law is not greater than the other. They are all summed up in one word, love. That is why when Jesus Christ came, he was not so much fastidious about, okay, look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. They caught a woman in adultery. How many people commit adultery? How, how, it's not two people, but a woman was caught in adultery and they left the man because of discrimination. And then they brought the woman to Jesus. He said, it is written in the law of Moses that such a person should be stoned to death. But what do you say? But I thought that they should have gone ahead to stone the woman because the law of Moses says so. Yet, do you know what they did? They wanted to test whether Jesus Christ will go against the law of Moses or not. But they did not know that the man that they were talking to was the embodiment of love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. He came, the only person who lived under the law and never disobeyed the law once. He fulfilled all the requirements and the demands and the, and the instructions of the law. And when he died, the Bible says he abolished the law. Because he was now going to write a new law in our hearts. Better than the one that was written on tablets by Moses or the hand of God for Moses. So they asked Jesus and Jesus bent down as though he did not hear them and was writing something. I'm sure he was rehearsing the law of Moses. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not steal. Then he now looked up and said that any one of you who has never committed any sin before, let him be the first. Please correct me. Is that what Jesus said? He said, if, did he say anybody who has not done the same thing or anybody who has not committed any sin before? Correct me. Anybody who has not committed sin. So that means that Jesus was saying that the woman committed adultery and the, and the punishment was for you to stone the person to death. But the one that says thou shalt not commit adultery, the same law also said thou shalt not steal. The same law said thou shalt not lie. The same law said thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. So if you have not committed any one of them, be the first to cast the stone at the woman. What a challenge. <laughs> and I dare say, people of God, that is, that is one of the things we should use to let go of issues. Are you there? There are times where we want to justify ourselves. Why should, why should you do this to me? But then if you allow the spirit of God to convict you, you realize that you, you too, you did a lot of things against the Lord. So it's okay. Let go and let God. Hallelujah. Anytime you feel like retaliating and revenging and questioning, how dare you? Talk to me like that. How dare you touch me like that? Then remember, you too, you did something against the Lord. So it's okay. It's okay. Hallelujah. 
That is how to judge yourself first so that you will not become, you will not face greater judgment in the sight of God. So, Bible said, when Jesus told them this, do you know what happened? Bible says, being convicted by their own conscience, beginning from the elders to the youngest, all of them dropped their stones. The elders dropped his stones. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me find my way. Then the next one, the next one, until the last one also dropped his stone. And everybody left. And when they were all gone, the Bible says, Jesus looked up to the woman and said, Woman, where are thine accusers? And the woman said, they are all gone. Everybody has left me. Oh, what a, what a message of love. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Please think about it. Somebody whose offense demanded that she be stoned to death. Then another person is telling you, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Is that not reassuring? That's what love does. Where you felt that you should be ostracized, you should be cast away, love says you can be embraced. For God so loved the world, the world of sinners, that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is love. Hallelujah. He's talking to us in 2020. Let's walk in love. Love will demand that we we'll open up and correct ourselves. Hallelujah. All right. I've already dwelled on the fact that you shall love your neighbor as yourself means that whatever you want your brother to do to you, do it to yourself also. And then do the same that you would want to do to yourself to your brother. But when you become so self-sacrificing that now you have refused to love yourself this year, at least learn to love yourself also. Just as you want to love your neighbor. Can we balance that? This year, attend to yourself. Take some time off and have that one-on-one -on -one with your maker. Do some introspection, inner search, and let God revive you until that revival becomes a revolution. Experience a personal revolution. Is that okay? Let God work on you before you begin to, or he will begin to use you to work on others. Love yourself. If you want to love your neighbor, learn to love yourself. Take some time off and get some children somewhere and enjoy. Apostle Peter, am I talking? <laughs> All right. Then he said, love does, not love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. All the law of Moses, one word, is used to summarize it, love. Some say love. We used to sing a song here. I think today we can sing it. Let there be love amongst us. Let there be love amongst us. When we were under the canopy, that was one of our major songs led by Sissi. Yours is different. Let there be love. That's Mr. Dear, sir. Okay. Okay. That's Mr. Dear. Let there be love shared amongst us. Let there be love in our hearts. Let feel this and let this love fill this nation cause us, us the Lord to, arise. to arise. Give us fresh understanding. Give us the fresh understanding of brotherly love. Let us really let there be love. 
one day we have to form an opera choir here also. I think there will be three or four different choirs. The choir that we have, the adult choir, the opera choir, and then the, the youth choir. Is that agreed? Then we start with the children also. They will, they will eventually join the youth. So it will be five. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, and do this. This is where I pick my title from. Let us do the right thing. Of all that have been said, say do this. You do this. Let us do this. It is the right thing that God is telling us to do. Do it. And do this knowing the time. Unfortunately, many of us don't know the time. We think that we have all the time. Having to realize that we are growing. You heard what the gentleman last Sunday, I, I, he said he's a physician. He's an optometrist, right? And then I asked him, I asked him that question because I met a friend, you know, in town who happened to know me and mentioned my name. I realized that, that's all. I don't quite remember where I know you. So, I am that optometrist who you attended to some time ago, blah, blah. So, I see. Then I said, wow, I'm glad that you are an eye specialist. What happens? What is the problem when you are reading and then you have to stretch your, your you know, book far away? Then so, that is Presby Biopia. I laugh and I said, why not Methodist, Bi- Methodist Biopia? But the brother here explains something. He says that it happens to one when he is growing. I took note of his statement last Sunday. I said, oh, it means we are growing. Formerly where we used to read and enjoy, now when you are reading, you have to take the thing backwards because the thing is not clear. Press the biopia. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are growing. We are growing. Knowing the time. You don't have all the time to yourself. Brothers and sisters, those who must marry, marry this year. Am I prophesying? Look at, look at this, brother. <laughs> oh my God, I'm obviously in church. Last Sunday, your mother came to report to you, but today you are here. Where's your mother? Yes, glory be to God. And he's shouting, Yeah! You want to go and marry? <laughs> Thanks be to God. Please, those who must marry, do what? Married this year. There's no time. There's a video. This is just by the way. There's a video in the social media of somebody who said the pastor prophesied to her that she will marry a particular year. And the year had ended. And she didn't get married. So she was not telling the pastor, call the pastor, I am coming for you. You said I will marry and I didn't get married. So I'm coming for you. Pastor, get ready. I'm, I'm coming for you. The pastor said, but I'm already married. He said, don't tell me that. I'm coming for you. Please don't attack your pastor like that. Though. If the prophecy did not come to pass, set your heart and find out what went wrong. But whatever be the case, if you have to marry this year, please marry this year. If, oh, I like the amen. Hey, a lot of... <laughs> I like that. A lot of us, or let me, I won't say a lot, some of us received prophecies as far back as 2017. We started in September 2017. And from that period, they were told that they will marry. And it didn't come to pass. 2018 came, they didn't marry. 2019 came, and they still didn't marry. 2020 is here. Do it again. Hallelujah. 
I told you of a friend, a very good friend of mine. She, it was not even now, as far back as 2011, that I started telling her that you're going to marry this year. It didn't come to pass. We are in 2020. How many years now? Nine years. So I remember before the close of 2019, I was with her. When we were talking, she said, look, as with these days, when I hear the prophecies, I just listen. I, I'm just, I said, you can't be indifferent. He said, I just listen because now, Matia, for nine years, please, 2020, if you have to marry, marry this year. In other words, if last year didn't work, it will work this year. Don't give up hope. Hallelujah. Knowing the time, you can't have all the time to yourself. Knowing the time. If you have to go back to school, please go back to school. If you have to do some refresher courses, do that. If you have to get a plot of land and build your own house, do that this year. Am I communicating? If you have to learn how to spend less and save more and invest, do that this year. And above all, the spiritual instruction is that, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Physically, when you sleep, you must wake up. Can you see somebody or can you imagine somebody who sleeps all day, all night, all week, weekend, still sleeping? What do you think will happen to that individual? There's a medical phenomenon called DVT, deep vein thrombosis. When you are lying down on bed for a long time and there is no circulation, proper circulation of your blood, you can develop deep vein thrombosis. And that can kill you easily. Laziness kills. Can I say that again? Laziness, it kills. In fact, God hates laziness. In the book of Proverbs, there's so many instructions against laziness. Bible says that the slothful, the, the, the lazy, will go and harvest from the field, but will say, oh, the weather is cold, so we'll keep it. Instead of roasting and eating, so, and every time procrastinating, this year, no procrastination. Hallelujah. I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. Awake out of sleep. Awake. Oh, what an instruction. And especially if you are sleeping spiritually. Awake. Where you believe that I can sin and nobody cares. In fact, some parts of the world, they've gotten to that place. They believe that since, they quote what Peter says, since the days of Noah, we have always said that the God is coming, Jesus is coming, and nothing has changed. Let us eat and drink. Enjoy ourselves. But Ecclesiastes 12 says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. Even if you choose to enjoy, mind you, it will catch up with you one day. When you grow, you discover that that alcohol has actually affected your liver. You discover that that smoke has affected your lungs. You discover that that fornication, adultery, has now given you something else. It could be HIV AIDS. It could be NASTD, sexually transmitted disease. If not sexually transmitted, as in sexually transmitted demon. STD. Hallelujah. Don't you know, Bible says that anybody who is joined to a harlot becomes one flesh with her. So once you have, you, are, you have many multiple sex partners, everyone you sleep with, you become one with the individual. So in heaven, God will say, come 
Let's trust God that such a person will even arrive in heaven. But if you should arrive, God will say, come and let me show you your wives. Because you are one flesh with all these women. Awake out of sleep. Hallelujah. Where you are indifferent towards the gospel, towards the kingdom and his work, he says, awake. Why did God bless you? It is so that you will become a sponsor of the gospel. Why did God give you such avenue, such opportunity? So that you will be an influence in letting others know of Jesus. Awake, thou that sleepest. Hallelujah. Awake out of sleep. Alright, let me round up. Then he said, for now, oh, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We are getting there. Hallelujah. There's a song. I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but let me just sing it some years ago. We are marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful. We are marching to Zion. The beautiful city of God. I think it says, Come we that. Love the Lord and let your joy be known. Joining the song with sweet accord. Joining the song with sweet accord. And us around the throat and us around the I learned this song in premises. We are marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We are marching up to Zion, the beautiful city. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. When was the last time you pictured heaven and you longed to be there? Some of us wait till we lose a dear one. Then we say, hey, this heaven is real. Don't wait for that time. Bible says in Colossians 3 and in, on the 26th of, of January, next two weeks, that will be the scripture. You can go ahead and read it. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4. We were talking about renew your mind part 3. Hallelujah. Every year we must we must factor in renew your mind. Every year. Renew your mind. Because it's one of the major avenues by which our soul is saved. We are saved in our spirit when we confess the lordship of Jesus and believe the gospel. We are being saved in our souls through the renewing of our minds and ultimately our bodies shall be saved when Christ shall come. So when he says our salvation is nearer, he's talking about the consummation of our salvation. When Christ shall come, when we shall put on our glorified bodies. That is the consummation to, to complete our salvation. Already we are saved. And there is nothing like once saved, forever saved. Please take note. Don't say, oh, once I'm born again, then I can go and do anything because I'm saved. No. After you are saved, we are being saved in our souls. That is why we'll be talking about renewing your mind. Part 3 on the 26th. Then, finally, we shall be saving our bodies. And that is one of the most beautiful things everybody must aspire for and yearn for and long for. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It is one of the major aspirations that will help us not to live in sin. 
Yeah. Why do I say so? In, in 1 John chapter 3, you can write it down and read it later. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. 1, 2, and 3. 1 John chapter 3. He says that, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. The King James says so. That we shall be called the sons of God. Then he said, Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it has not yet been revealed. The King James says, It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I'm longing for that day. But the verse 3 says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The one who has the hope of seeing Jesus, the one who has the hope of receiving the consummation of his salvation in the physical body, the one who wants to be like Jesus on the outside, we are already like Jesus on the inside, but now we are longing to see him so that we shall be changed from mortality to immortality, whether dead or alive. Everyone who has this hope in him, you purify yourself. Because Matthew 5 eight says, Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. It's not everybody who will see God just because you are a believer. We ought to purify ourselves just as he is pure. He says, Be holy, for I am holy. Thank you, Jesus. Let me run up. Let me run up. Verse 12 says, the night is fast spent. Do you believe that? It's late. Night is fast spent. The dawn is breaking. The day is here. And you're still sleeping. It's odd to see somebody who after spending about, they say we should sleep for how many hours? Eight hours. I know so. I know some of us do less. But after you have slept for eight hours, then daytime you are still sleeping. Something is wrong somewhere. You need to be checked whether we have to treat malaria or any other thing. <laughs> the night is far spent the day is at hand therefore let us cast off the works of darkness what are some of the works of darkness can I ask cast it off works of darkness witchcraft it's a work of darkness in fact Galatians 5 calls it the works of the flesh the works of the flesh are actually the works of darkness so all the Things we see in Galatians 5 that talks about the works of the flesh. They are all the works of darkness. Envy, strife, bitterness, rancor. They are all works. He said, cast them off. If we couldn't malice, thank you. If we couldn't do it, he would never have told us to do it. So do you see why God can judge us? Because he knows he has put in you what it takes to do what he says you should do. So if you don't do it, then he can judge you. The unbeliever is not giving this instruction because they don't even have the ability anyway. The engine has not been changed. I've always been saying that. They are not born again. So for them, it will be hard for them to obey these instructions. But for us, he has written the same law in our hearts. So your conscience will tell you that, Adia me, what I'm doing, it doesn't even please God. Haven't you been there before? This thing that I'm doing, it's not right. Then you wake up. Cast off the work of darkness. Then he said, and let us put on the armor of light. Put it on. It is my responsibility. It's your responsibility. Put it on. The armor of light. What is the armor of light, please? The armor of light. Anything that pleases God. Anything that honors God. Bible says that light is that which manifests. 
In other words, that light is that which reveals anything that you cannot do in the closet. Don't do it in the public. Or I've said it wrongly. I've said the opposite. Eh? Anything you cannot do in the public, don't do it in the closet. Thank you. Anything you cannot do in the public, don't do it in the closet. What a deep statement. Anything you will not do before men, and you know that whilst I'm doing it, I'll be convicted of sin, then don't go and do it in the closet because in the closet, it is just you. But mind you, God sees all things. He watches. He who sleeps, and he who watches over Israel does not sleep nor slumber. So don't think that God doesn't know. And don't take God for granted. I think I'm talking to myself now. I don't know about you. Don't do what? Take God for granted. Alright. Then he said in verse 13, let us walk properly. Let us. This is what I mean by let us do right. Let us walk properly. Walk properly. As in the day. Not in reverie. That is rioting, fighting. And drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. What is lewdness? Other versions say, what is it, wantonness? Lewdness. Can we find out the meaning of lewdness? Maybe your version says another word. Chambering and wantonness. The King James uses big words, eh? Chambering. And now you go to some chamber somewhere. This is our chamber. That's chambering. It's our ghetto. That is why you hear. Then after you have done all the duty, then you come to church. The sanctimonious one has appeared. Meanwhile, you are in the ghetto doing. Hey! Awake out of sleep. No, some of us have done all these things before. That's why, you know, when we go to secondary school, secondary school, eh, some of us were known as the quiet guys. Quiet guys. Meanwhile, because it was compulsory to go to entertainment, whilst in entertainment, we won't dance, so we just watch everybody. Then, when we are on our own, that is when we do the same thing. So, what is the difference? You are deceiving yourself now. Because they knew us as cool guys. Meanwhile, we were learning by watching. Hmm. I don't know who I'm talking to now. Because I used to do that anyway. Okay. Not in lewdness and lust. Lust, lust, lust. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. This flesh has so many appetites. Eh? It's a dangerous vessel that we are carrying. This flesh. Then he said, not in strife and envy. What is strife? Fight. Contention. Don't do it. This is 2020. Then he said, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What a statement. That means you're complete. Put on who? The Lord Jesus. Put him on. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its last. The King James says, the last thereof. Make no, let's end with that. Make no provision. I think that throughout the year we'll be talking about these things more and more. So let me end with that. Make no provision for the flesh. What does that mean? Who can give me an example? How do you make provision for the flesh? You are sitting by that television that's showing something that can affect you. You know that you are not even married. So why are you even entertaining sexual 
images that will arouse your sexual interest. What did Bible say we should do? It said flee fornication. But in your case, you have chosen to make provision to satisfy the flesh because the flesh is pleased to watch those things. And whilst watching them, you are energizing yourself for trouble. Bible says that anybody that carries fire into his clothing will do what? Will get burned. So now you provoke yourself. You have made provision for the flesh. And before you realize, ah, is it me that I'm falling like that? It's you. Because he said, make no provision for the flesh. But you did. What you're supposed to run from, you sat by. What you're supposed to flee from, you decided to entertain. You're not greater than Joseph. Hallelujah. Do you remember Samson? Samson, because he was a mighty man, anointed by God, he carried the anointing of the spirit of might. He carried that. A man who could carry the whole city gate on his shoulder and go and drop it somewhere. A man who could kill thousands of people with the jawbone of an axe, of a donkey. Can you imagine he was a mighty man? But he had one weakness. He didn't know the difference between his pillow and Delilah's lap. Hey! This thing will kill you. But Samson said, see, I'm, I'm mighty. Until the same Delilah out of, can you imagine? It is the same that they do in our time where people can be trained but they have been trained for a suicidal mission. Are you there? Where somebody can be trained as a pilot and on the day they can take a whole plane with one mission that I'm crashing this plane in a story building somewhere, in a skyscraper somewhere, so we all perish together. Delilah was not doing it because she wanted a husband. She was on a mission for the Philistines. They wanted to use her to capture information about the secret of Samson's strength. And finally she got it because Samson allowed Delilah to lie on, or he rather lied on the lap of Delilah. Enjoying the comfort of an enemy. Come on. Don't you realize that this woman came from the enemy's camp? And that she could be a trap? Whatever provision we are making that will serve as a trap, God is telling us in 2020, flee before it traps you. Hallelujah. Let me say this. Some of us, our marriages have delayed because you have not learned this single lesson I'm talking about. God knows that it's not a question of you just satisfying yourself, but satisfying yourself within the right context, which is the context of marriage. So, so long as you keep changing sex partners and making provision for the flesh, accommodating those who must not be accommodated, I'm telling you, you will never have the spiritual senses to know that this is Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. You will never know. Because lust blinds. Can I say that again? Lust, that's what it blinds. And that is what happened to Samson. Finally, when he satisfied his, his lust, what happened to him? The first place they went for was what? His eyes. His eyes. When the enemy is at you, don't forget, he is looking for your vision. Do you remember two, 20 years ago we were talking about Vision 2020? Vision 2020 is here now. But some of us don't know even what Vision 2020 is. And after 20 years, we have still not achieved 
the vision. 20 years ago, it looked so far away that when will 2020 come? It is here. Vision 2020 has arrived. And maybe your vision has been taken away because you made provision for the flesh to satisfy its lust. But 2020 is here and God says in the realm of the spirit that I can give you another 20 years. Yeah. This is mercy. Can give us another 20 years. The next two decades. If Jesus tarries. Listen, God can give 100 years. He doesn't mind. But he can also choose to intercept it at any time because that is his sovereign will. But if God should give us another vision 2020, which is 2040, what will you do with it? Everybody, including myself, what will you do in the next two decades as a church, as families represented here, as individuals, as companies, as businesses, as friends, what will you do with your life in the next two decades, in the next 20 years? Begin to talk to God about it. I'm ending my message. Begin to talk to God. I know that he is a God of mercy. If not, some of us would have perished long time ago. Bible says, if thou Lord, oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. He's a God of another chance. After we have squandered the first 20 years of this century, I hear in the spirit, if I should give you the next 20 years, what will you do with it? Can you do right? Let us do right. Let us do right. Some of us, we might not have begun well, but we can end well. Amen. Because grace can enable us to do well. Amen. Let the grace of God come to our hearts. Amen. And enable us to begin to acquire a vision for the next two decades. It can be more than two decades. It can be the next three decades. It can be the next four decades. It depends on your age and your aspiration and your strength and capability and how you nurture this body. And now you balance spirit, soul, and body so that you do not destroy one whilst you are growing in the Lord. I don't know who God has spoken to, but I want to believe that God has spoken to me. Because when I look at my life, I know how a mess I have been. I know. I always thank God for this grace that in spite of my mess, he still gives me a message. What a savior. What a savior. That song in the Methodist hymn that says, there is a green hill far away without a city wall. There is a green hill far away without a city wall. Where the dear Lord was crucified who died to save us. We may not know, we cannot tell what pain he had to bear. But we believe it was for us he hung and suffered the last song I say, oh dearly, dearly has he loved and we must love him too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
will help us. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us do right. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me read this scripture and I can close. Acts 24. I'll read it from the King James Version actually. Acts 24 verse 16. I'm a King James person. So many of the verses are in my spirit as King James. Acts 24 verse 16 says, And herein, Apostle Paul is writing, Do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men? Herein, do I exercise? I hope you know exercise. In other words, you must make the effort. You take the pain. Some exercises can bring pain. When we did our first keep fit exercise in this house, the next day, some of us suffer some severe pain. But we manage it. Hallelujah. So when you are exercising yourself in some things, sometimes it's painful. But we must do it this year. Hallelujah. I hear in the spirit, if I should give you the next 20 years, what will you do with it? The next two decades. Hearing do I exercise myself to have always, always, always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. I'm ending with this verse. The reason why God wants us to do right is so that your conscience will not disturb you before God and before men. You just know that when your conscience is disturbing you, it's a serious matter. You just feel in prison in your own self. You are not yourself. But when you know that this thing, if I should, if I should mention it, it will free my conscience, then let me mention it. If I should forgive this sister, it will free my conscience, let me forgive if I should let go of this issue, it will help my conscience. Let me do it. Remember, some of us have a, a conscience that is void of offense toward God. But we have a, a, a conscience that is full of offense toward man. There are two things here. He said, herein do I exercise myself to have a conscience, to always have a conscience that is void of offense towards God. Some of us are very good at that. We clean up with God, but we don't learn to clean up with man. Hallelujah. Can you stand to your feet? We're going to pray.